Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia, home of the world's greatest artist, TLC, Gladys Knight, India Ari, Indigo Girls, and Hartsfield Atlanta Jackson Airport, the Falcons, and Clark Atlanta University. This is The Bright Side with Technicia, a daily show with real people with real experiences. And now, here's your host, Technicia. What's up, gang? Welcome to another episode of The Bright Side with Technicia, and I'm your host, Technicia. Every Tuesdays and Thursdays, I try to come on from 12 to 1 to give you interesting interesting stories by people who have lived their life traumatically, holistically, spiritually, whichever way we swing it. But today, we're doing a little spin because I am a big fan of crime. I love horror, but I love crime. And actually, this crime is very true. And I have the pleasure to interview him today. He is the author of Two Shades of Vice. I don't want to get too much into detail on it because I want him to do it. So I just want you to keep your ears open. If you have any questions, do not hesitate. Call in at 347-426-3751. The archive will be saved at brightsidewithtk.com. So without further ado, i like to bring Dewey B. Reynolds on. Dewey, first and foremost, thank Hello. you for taking out your time to be here with me. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Your story is so intriguing, and it, it really inspired me to reach out to you. That's why I had to do it. And the matter of the fact is that it's so very, very true. First and foremost, uh-huh. um, first, I want to ask Dewey, what got you into wanting to reveal this story that's really all about, it's really about your parents. So what got you to want yes. to bring this story yes. about to us? Well, first I thought it was a very unique, original story. It was something that I found also very intriguing and something that different, you know, that pretty much had a different spin on it as far as like true crime. Well, what really uh, got me into wanting to write the story, what it, it takes place, uh, rewind several years ago. Um, I was placed in foster care at six months, me, my brother, and my sister. And for the first few years of our lives, we didn't know who our parents were. So as time went on, I got to uh, inquiring about who they were. Of course, I met my father a month before he died. Then I met my mother, and she passed away in 1999. They were my biological parents. But like I said, they, they abandoned us. I was six months old. So as I got to learn more about their background, uh, and she would tell me stories, I started doing research to their background, and I learned through the Division of Family Services and also from the Kansas City, Missouri Police Department about their criminal background, and through uh, police reports and criminal rap sheets and through eyewitness accounts, I tell you, when I did learn who they were and what they had been doing, it really, really blew me away because they were an interracial couple during the early 1960s that were heavily involved in crime. Right, and your mom was a street hustler. She was a oh, known prostitute. I mean, just reading her story oh, from here on out. Yes. Uh, well, yeah, she was uh, She was out there on the streets hustling and um uh, you know, she was soliciting that she was into petty crime, like petty theft and larceny and all that. 
and she was a black woman, and she would eventually meet up with my father, who was a white man, and they both were, you know, very much involved in a lot of crimes together. But they came together as an interracial couple who would become heavily involved in crime in which uh, they would uh, operate a body house, which did include, like, drugs and alcohol and cigarettes and gambling and prostitution and you name it. They were into everything. So they were very well-known criminals throughout the city. Okay. Now, okay, is it okay? What was her real name? Because she wouldn't give her real name to to her tricks at all. No, uh, she used a lot of aliases. I mean, Annabelle and uh, Anna and Jackie, and they said, but her, her real name was Alame Briggs. That was her, her, her maiden name, her real name. And that's amazing how you went and you tracked them down. They was almost like a Bunny, a bunny and Clyde type clique. And then when I kept ex- reading into ex- it, <laughs> um, just, yeah, just exactly. You know what? And yes. not you all um, do it. I thought about your parents' story as being like comparing to that movie I love so much. Um, I can't even think of it. With Samuel Jackson, Time to Kill. Yeah, I love. Uh-huh. I love that movie. That was a strong. Oh, that was a great film and, and a great book too. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought I said that. That was a powerful. That was a very powerful um movie. And your book is just as strong because your book is so real. And it, what makes it real? Oh good, yes, you actually had to put all the pieces together. How did you? How long did it take you to write this? Because you had to find all this information out. But we feel like we're going back through Annabelle's time life. So did you have to incorporate your own imagination of what it was like for her on the street? Well, um, the, the book was the book was years in the making. It really was. It took me a few years to get like all their. Um, their police reports, their criminal rap sheets, uh, plus, like I said, eyewitness accounts from people out on the street that, that would be of age. And then, of course, my mother would tell me stories about their life together and how they operated this body house, like I said, that involved drugs and prostitution and gambling and bootleg whiskey and contraband cigarettes. Because you have to understand, my father was an Irish white man. He had strong ties with the Italian mm-hmm. gangsters in Kansas City. Right. And they would cut they would cut him in on like hijacking assignments or robbery assignments, and he would get some of those goods like the whiskey and the beer and the wine and the cigarettes and the frozen meats, and he put them in the house and he would sell them to the tricks that would come through the house with the women that worked for my father, because the police reports tell you that he was a known procurer, which he was a very well known pimp. He was known by the police, and he had a criminal rap sheet of like fifty six convictions. Wow. Yeah, so I'll say, I'll say it wild, too. And uh, he did prison time in five different states, Missouri, Illinois, Texas, Arizona, and California. So he was he was a career criminal. I, I, I think one of the one of the police reports said this known this known subject has never uh, worked a legitimate job or had not, never had a, a legitimate occupation in his entire life. Wow. And that's good that, I mean, that the. Uh police department actually helped you follow up on all these documents and all the rap sheets and everything to come about yes, with this book. Uh-huh. Right. Uh-huh. Which they uh they were very generous about that and uh they um went into their research department and the records department and pulled up a lot of information through microfilm and uh 
as I got to reviewing them and studying them and researching, it's like it's like over a hundred pages of alone of police reports, and then not including their both of their criminal rap sheets. And I said, these, oh my God, they were like they were just into everything. I mean, they were just criminals to the core. Right, and they lived. They actually lived on the edge, and they did not very care. much on the edge. And I mean, when you read in the beginning of your book, Allie May, Allie May didn't didn't care at all of, of her lifestyle. She didn't give a dang. Even when she was prostituting, the other women would tell her, "Well, you can't do this on your own." <laughs> I mean, her boldness. She was right then, and now she was a very strong woman. Oh, very much so. She only she was only four foot eleven. She was a tiny woman, but she carried. Yeah, she carried. She carried, I remember her telling me she carried two razors around with her, one in her brazier and one in her pocketbook. So she, she, because oh, you know during that time period, a lot of women who worked the streets, uh, they they had pimps because you know pimps were pretty much okay. If a woman's out there working for herself, then. She's gonna she's gonna end up dead or she's gonna end up hurt. She's got to have a pimp to protect her. But my mom never had had a pimp. She always worked for herself. Then when she worked my met my father, and he knew that she knew the prostitution game so well. That's why when mm-hmm. he when he bought purchased that home and, and turned it into a body house, that's why she knew the prostitution game so well. So when the women would bring the tricks to the house, she knew how to you know greet them. She knew how to. Uh, butter them up and collect the money and take them upstairs and show them the room and you know and then before they would leave like okay you want to buy any whiskey you want to buy any cigarettes you want to buy any dope we got all that for you whatever you want before you leave or you can take it up in the room with you You can take the whiskey the beer the drugs up in the room with you so that's how they operated the house right and that's amazing how long prostitution actually been out i mean it's been out way before before the 19th world's world oldest professions (laughs) So, um, you did get the chance, because I'm hearing, you got the chance to meet both of your parents. Yes, I did. I met my father. Huh? I was going to ask, how how long was it before your father actually passed off? Your mother, she passed away too, right? Yes, she did. Well, you you have to understand, my, my father was 26 years older than my mother. He was born in 1905. She was born in 1931. I was born in 1964. Uh, he died in 1978 at the age of 72. My mother died in 1991 at the age of 68. I met my father only one time, and that was like a month before he had died because he had like he had like heart disease, so he died of a massive, you know, heart attack. Of course, my mother died from complica- complications of emphysema, and. Uh, so, but but I learned a lot from her. I mean, even though she was out on, she was a street woman. She was out on the streets. She was a very wise woman. She was a very intelligent woman too. I mean, I learned so much from her because I, I was intrigued about their past, and I knew about them being with them being an interracial couple at a time when it was outlawed. I mean, because you had the anti-miscegenation laws that were that were in effect that was on the on the books that outlawed interracial as far as like cohabitation and sexual relations of interracial. You actually could go to jail and do time for that. So so when you say they lived on the edge, they most definitely did that. And I, I just think as an interracial couple, I mean, they just didn't care. I mean, first of all, you got one strike against you for being an interracial couple. You got another strike against you for being heavily involved in crime together, which that infuriated law enforcement. I mean, local law enforcement here in Kansas City 
were highly upset. Okay, like you gonna rub that in our faces, your interracial and your your hardened criminals at the same time. I mean, they were really pissed about that. Wow. I'm just. I am. Um, I it's it's. Yeah, it's I know you. You're taking it back. I know you. You sound like you're really. It's, it's quite a story, Tanisha. Tanisha, yeah. it's um, it's quite a story. It really is a very. Cause see, even you know, with them being my parents, I say, wow. I mean, you, you figure after I received all those police reports, and like I said, we're talking over a hundred pages of all the crimes they were involved with, the dates. The places, the locations, the narratives right. that it, it goes into detail about what they were doing, and I'm saying I'm saying to myself, my mom and dad were involved in all this. They were doing, I mean, like I said, narcotics, uh, 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 bootleg whiskey, contraband cigarettes, prostitution, gambling, and my father, like I said, he he had criminal convictions for like strong arm robbery, burglary and larceny, trafficking of narcotics. Uh, drunken driving, resistant arrest, uh, car theft, assault battery, and the list just goes on and on and on and on. And like I said, the most amazing thing about his his somewhat, as I would call, illustrious criminal career is he did prison time in five different states. I don't think I've ever right. talked to a person that have, that have actually done prison time in five different states. Five different, wow, five different states. And you know, it's not even surprising that they really click because, of course, we know white guys, they love black women, so it was no surprise in the way that you described oh, her. Oh, yes. Sure. Yes, ma'am. Now, you know what? You know what? What you bring in that point, let me, let, me, let me tell you this. Now, here's what she told me, too, and I will later on incorporate, the, incorporate that into my book, Two Shades of Vice. See, my father being a pimp, him being a procurer, as they say in, in terms of law enforcement, is that he knew that white men had a strong desire for black women. Even though these white men were married to white women and had white girlfriends, they still had that hidden secret desire or they pretty much had that lust or those fantasies that they wanted to fulfill to be with black women. So down in that inner city neighborhood, that urban core where my, where my father operated this body house for all this crime, every single one of the women, the, he at his height, he had like five or six black women working for him. Every last one of these black women's tricks were white men. They never had black men as tricks. These were white men that would come from the suburban uh, areas of town or the upscale areas of town to come down in the city to pick up black prostitutes and fulfill these sexual desires and these fantasies that they have for black women. And my father knew that, and that's why he capitalized on it and made money on it. Right, and your book is, like I said, your book is raw, especially the part where... It's, um. Uh, it's unadulterated. <laughs> it's very, but it's, it's such a powerful part, story. I mean, it is. Especially the part, you know, was questioning him. Um, I think that was the chapter where they was talking about, uh, let me see what chapter was that? Crazy for Colored Women. They was asking him the questions, and he was like, well, she she asked, she told me that each separate ad would be $10. She asked me if I wanted a blowjob or a straight girl. Right. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I can't. Yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna sugarcoat. I mean, it's 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 very raw. It's straight to the point. Like, it's no sugarcoating in this book. Well, oh yeah, it's a, it's a yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it, it's not a children's story. It is definitely not some Christian literature, but it tells no. such a very powerful story. It's it's a very unique, right. original, powerful story. And, and I'm pretty sure most people will be like, 
I've never, I mean, I've heard of interracial before, but I've never heard of a story, an interracial, a story of an interracial couple of that caliber. And I, and I, and I and I'll tell you something, Tanisha, and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Now you mentioned about they were asking about what what can I get for this amount of money? What kind of sexual act can I get for this? See, my mother also went into detail, and she told me, which is it's partially explained in the police report where they turned the home into a home for unusual entertainment. Okay. And and not to go too far into detail or be too explicit, but unusual entertainment included like those men who wanted to hook up with the prostitutes and they was into all these, these probably sadistic or, or just sick fantasies, as we would say, where they, they love for someone to sodomize them with, with, with vegetables or fruit, or they like to someone to do other things to them. And see, my mother and father knew that these men, again, these guys that come from these suburban areas and had these sanitized, squeaky clean images that didn't want to be seen as somebody who frequented prostitutes, but at the same time, they had these fantasies that they wanted to fulfill, so they knew where to go, they knew who to right. hook up with, and, and then if they wanted these fantasies fulfilled, and you know, as I mentioned, my father would charge them triple the amount or even more. And I mean, all this going on, and they was in the time with the Ku Klux Klan. So, oh yeah, I yeah, know. and I'm, I'm pretty right. sure you did read that that part of the yeah the book about where they had to run in with the Klan. Right, I did. I read that part. <laughs> I mean, yeah. to be honest, it still exists. It still exists today. They're just in a different form. But oh, I mean, absolutely, read, no question. Like I said, this book is this book is very raw because even that part with where they said, with that said, you niggas are less in the dirt. There's white folks walk all over. You're the animals that we have to constantly tame. That still has lived yeah. to this day. To me, in my opinion, it still lived to this day. Oh, absolutely. And my mother talked about, she went into detail. But and see, the thing is, during the time when I was sitting down and talked to my mother about the things I heard my father were doing, I, I didn't. I wasn't contemplating on writing a book about it. I, I had no idea that I would end up actually writing a, a, a nonfiction true crime story. But but I knew it was a great story. But eventually, I would say to myself, I would really like to write, write a book about this. But you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, she would tell me stories about all the inter, all the uh, the uh, the prejudice and the racism that they that they would face. I mean, they would go in the store, and the white couples would would make comments about them, or they would. They would bump them and, and do things that were disrespectful to try to pick, piss them off or either, you know, bait them into conflict where, you know, and my mom, she would tell me how my father had to check a few other white people and let them know, you know, you're not going to disrespect me. You're not going to disrespect my lady because he had no problems being with a black woman, even though he knew the problems he was going to face. I can, I can tell that he, it didn't bother him at all. But now how were you able, because you work in IRS. You still doing that to this day? Yes, ma'am. I am. How did you balance doing that and also writing uh, this book? Well, I, I just believe it takes focus. You just have to be focused. You just have to really, you know, decide I'm going to do this and I'm not going to let nothing distract me and uh, I'm going to follow through. And uh, that's what I did. I mean, because I had been sitting on the, uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, 
the criminal rap sheets and the uh, police reports for several years. And then I just affirmed to myself, well, you know, I think I should write a book about this. I mean, because I have all the information I need. I mean, I have all the research material and based on the information my mother would tell me and then based on the, the information in the police reports and in the rap sheets, I mean, I can bring all that together and be able to tell a complete story. And that's what I did. What's your what's your take? Do you feel like there's any part of them that exists in you a little bit? Did well, it, did it feel like an urge? Well, you know anything? what, my, my father. Okay, oh. yes. As far as their traits, uh, my mother was a very determined woman. She did what she wanted to do. I kind I'm kind of like that, but not in the same way that she did it. But my father was a very violent man very violent. I knew that to be a fact. He was a very brutal man. He was a vicious criminal. I think right. I have somewhat of his temper. I have his temper, but I'm not a violent person. I'm not a crazy person, but I I, I mean, but I have, I'm, I'm pretty much can be short tempered. I do believe I get that from him. You know, that's a trait from him. Well, yeah, I, I believe I do carry some of their traits. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I can imagine for you not to have <laughs> known them. I'm just glad that you was able to get the chance to actually meet them and get yes. a little bit about yeah. their story. You was able to talk to yes. your mother to know what it was like, because those times were different than what it is now. You're a black, she's a black woman in a white man's uh-huh. society, as we like to so call it. Yeah. And she's prostituting. Then you link up with the white man, which no one definitely did not approve of, and you became petty uh-huh. thieves. Their story is so miraculous. I mean, and I never even heard of this crime. You know, we hear a lot of crimes, but one of the stories I never heard of. I don't think I have. Right, right. This was, this, like I said, I, you know, and, and of course I'm not trying to toot my own horn or beat my own drum, but this story is not your average run-of-the-mill story. Like I said, there's there's a lot of originality. It's very unique. It's very different because – no matter who I talk to, I've never actually talked to a person. I, and I do talk to a lot of people, and I know a lot of people, and they've never, ever told me. I've heard of a story about an interracial couple that were hardened criminals together. They, they, they lived a life of crime together, and they lived on the edge, and mm-hmm. they just set their own rules and lived by their own rules and did whatever the hell they wanted to do. And that basically was my mother and father. They just did whatever they wanted to do and didn't care what the consequences were. So, and and, and I, it's kind of funny to me. I find a little humor. I'm like, wow. I said they were bold and brash. Yeah, they were. During those times there, yeah, they were very bold. They didn't give a dang. They, oh, yeah. I like to call, I like to call their kind of honey badgers. They didn't care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're right. That's a good term to use, too. Yes, ma'am. So, it's a, it's just such a powerful story. And ultimately, I want to, I want to see it be made into a motion picture because I, I think it would translate so well across the, the, the movie screen. I do I do believe that. I can see that. I can visualize that. You know what? That wouldn't be such a bad idea. That would. Yeah. Yeah, I can, I can really like that. see that. We we really do because it's not like they're telling the same stories over and over again. I think, right. I think people, we, we have, human nature exactly. being, huh? Yeah, human nature being what it is, well, not cutting you off, dude. I was gonna say that we so used to seeing the the powerful marching movies, how black had to progress to get where we are now. But we need to see something where they also did not care 
She's like a Malcolm. Right. She was like right. She's almost like a a woman Malcolm X. I'm sorry, I don't mean to be. Oh, oh, oh yeah, she was. No, 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 no. no. She was. A, she was a very militant woman. She was. She was a very. She, she see what it is. Both of them were short tempered. They both were quick tempered, and you know they fought. And but but you know what though? This is also because you read the book. This is all, all also somewhat of a love story too, because they fell in love with each other. I know, and they really did. Yes, they, I mean, they came together as criminals to make money and felt like they found common ground as far as being criminals together, but they also would eventually fall in love. They would also start developing feelings for each other, and they would fall in love. So yeah, it's, it's partially a small, a small portion of the story is a love story. I didn't read any part in there, or maybe I missed it, of how did, uh-huh. she, end up, how did she end up? in that lifestyle prostitution. What led her to that? You know what? I, I, I asked myself, you know what? I actually asked myself the question, how did my mother and father end up going to the left and staying to the right. left? How did they get off on the wrong track and stay off on the wrong Because, see, actually her father was a minister. Matter of fact, he's yeah. the founder of a church here in Kansas City that still operates to this day. My grandfather, actually, he was a minister. And his parents, see, my father came from a family of 11 children. It was uh, seven girls and four boys. And all 10 of his, believe it or not, because I have a couple of white cousins on my father's side. Uh, like I said, he had seven sisters and three brothers, and plus him made 11 children. And they all went on to do well in life. All 10 of his brothers and sisters went on to do well in life. And they, you know, they, they okay. became, some of them became professionals and all that. And he was like the black sheep of the family. He became the hard criminal. And uh, my mother has an older sister. Uh, no, a younger sister, rather. My my Aunt Jackie, God rest her soul, she's passed on. Now, she went on to become a registered nurse, and her, her husband was a businessman. So her sister, her younger sister, went took a totally opposite direction than what she took. She went on to become a professional. Her husband was a professional they lived in a nice suburban area and had beautiful children and kids went on to finish college and all that. So her baby sister was totally the opposite of her. So and same with my father, out of 11 children, he was like the black sheep. He was the only one that ended up in a life of crime. So that, that was the, that, that was the mystique behind the whole of them together as a couple. I asked myself, which I, my mother never did tell me and I never did inquire, but I always wonder how did both of them get off on the wrong track and stay off on the wrong track? And I know you wish you could have really took that time to sit down with him and go through that of his yes. upbringing. What, I, I wish I could have, could have known him. Up, right. That upbringing of his had to, had to play a major role in regards to him being the way that he was somehow. Because we talk about, what, yeah, you know, yeah, because there's some I don't know. Maybe there's some information I don't know about his right, his upbringing. Like I said, yeah, because he was born in 1905. Because he was almost 60 right. when I was born. Right, yeah. Kansas City. I I don't know too much about Kansas City, but I'm thinking the 1900s with you know we had the gangsters, everything. The oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So Kansas City was a big gangster town back in the day. I can ma- yeah. yeah, I can imagine. I read yeah. so many stories on all these different cities how they grew up and everything. So I can I can imagine yeah. that had a little yeah. bit of his upbringing. Because back then, you yeah. know, people uh-huh. were very poor. You know, they 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, we're talking around the Great Depression, too. That was around the Great Depression. So people were poor, they were broke, and they was trying to get by in any way possible. What got you, what more so can we say influenced you to even begin writing? Who was your big influence? And and just to start reading, was reading a big thing for you growing up? Oh, absolutely. I've been an avid reader all my life. I mean, there's so many greats out there. I mean, I think of James Baldwin, Richard Wright. uh, I think of uh, Ralph Ellison. I think of uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald. I think of uh, even Ernest Hemingway. I think of... uh, uh, and even some of your more modern writers like John Grisham, Stephen King, uh, I think of uh, Dean Koontz, uh, I think of uh, Walter Mosley. I mean, the list just goes – I mean, because, see, I'm a, I'm a right. wide-scale reader. I read across all kinds of different literature. So, yeah, I've been, I've been a avid reader all my life. I've always loved to read. So there's so many authors out there who I admire and, you know, pretty much are great writers. And I learn – but you always learn something every time you read something. Yeah, and I mean, to just grow up in that foster care, to be singled out, and look where you are today. Right. Well, it's, right. it's, been, it's been quite a journey, I'll tell you. Right. Uh-huh. I yeah, it's been quite a journey. Well, I, I, can, I can't imagine. Well, yes, I can. I can imagine. I, I haven't been down that route. My brother, of course, uh-huh. grew up in the foster care system for some reason because of course, uh-huh. my mother's behavior issues but I could probably understand what it's like. I can empathize. Do not have that uh-huh. not have your natural parents with you. Can any of yeah. my viewers understand that? Because I'm going live too on Instagram. Can you really understand that anyone out here to know what it feels like to be singled out? You know somewhere in you it's you, you been the way you are is because of your parents, but you don't know it because you didn't even probably know them. And then by the time you get their story, it's like, oh, now it's too late. Now you're passing on. Uh-huh. Exactly. Yeah. So maybe there were some things they took to the grave with them. Yeah. Still some unanswered questions. But I want to take a short commercial break, and I want to come back with Dude because I, I love his book. It is so interesting, and I want – to be able to go a little bit more in depth with it. So stay tuned. Do not touch that dial whatsoever, my listeners. Thought it was over? Not yet. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're listening to Blog Talk Radio, baby. You know what really gets a party started? Indoor baseball. Yeah, just find a broom or a pool cue, and you can use, like, anything as a ball. Cans, bottles, shoes. Hey, bro, toss me that avocado. Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Underage drinking and driving, the ultimate party foul. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. It only takes a minute to find out if you may have prediabetes. And you can do it at doihaveprediabetes.org. But you're probably not going to. Nope. I'm sure you've got a perfectly good excuse. Kids, work, (laughs) I get it. You're busy. So what better time than now? Let's begin. Raise one finger if you're a man. Ladies, none yet. Oh, count in your head if you're driving. Now, three more fingers for everyone over 60. 
two over 50, one over 40, one more if you're not physically active, another finger if anyone in your family has type 2 diabetes, another if you've got high blood pressure, if you're overweight, raise another finger, two if you're very overweight, and three if you're really overweight. You've just taken the world's first audio pre-diabetes test. And if you're holding up five or more fingers, visit doihaveprediabetes.org or talk to your doctor. There's no excuse because prediabetes can be reversed. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Welcome. And if you're looking at the replay and if you're just tuning in, I am having a wonderful chance to interview author Dewey B. Reynolds, who is the author of Two Shades of Vice. And it is a inspired story that he took out his time to write about how this interracial couple who was actually his parents they played a game of living dangerously they was like a bunny and clyde and he also said how he grew up in a foster care and as i said before dewey your story is very descriptive there's nothing actually thank you out we're talking about ku Ku klux klan during those times 1960s (laughs) <laughs> which was a big, we're talking about a Civil Rights Act movement and everything else going on around us, but your parents was the biggest topic. And I am de- I am very appalled that I was deprived of this information. See, and these are things that you're not going to learn in a history book. That's why I'm very honored to get this story from you because no one talks about them, but this is something. Yeah. And I was yeah. honored to actually, we discussed Do and I discussed about a movie being made off of this, which we do need to see. We have seen movies on Martin Luther King, um, the the Mississippi burning of the of the three guys who participated in civil rights. And we have seen so many movies based on the right. And like you said, a time to kill too. Movies like that. Right. But we have not seen a movie where interracial couple actually clicked together during the 1960s, and they was a bad mama jam. We have not seen things yeah. like that. <laughs> <laughs> I like the way you see that. Bad Mama Jabba. <laughs> but yeah, you, you're absolutely right, my friend. You, you, you're so right. And uh, it's worthy of a motion picture. And uh, I think, like I said, I think it will translate so well on the, on the movie screen. I think it's something that uh, people will get so much out of. Not, I mean, they'll get so much out of my book, too, but they'll get so much out of, of, out of a film. And they'll walk away with something because, like you said, now, within the last three months, I've read a couple articles on Yahoo News because I log on to the Internet every day and read the latest headlines on Yahoo News. And they were talking about interracial couples, even in the year 2017, having problems with, you know, white supremacist groups or just people that that disapprove of, of interracial and everything. So, you know, and, 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 and in one case, one article I was reading was talking about how it became violent. Like, first say, like in Brooklyn, New York, there was a black guy walking down the street with a white woman, and these white guys, must have been about five of them, uh, were upset and had gotten angry, and they jumped on the jumped on the black guy, and the black and the white woman tried to protect her boyfriend while they were jumping on him, and they they assaulted her too. So the problem still lies there to some degree, no matter how much they try to cover it up or try to pretend as though it doesn't exist. The problem, unfortunately, the problem is still there. Oh yeah, it's still there. It just, like you said, they just covered it up. The issue is still here. Yes. We just Sometimes we just fail to look at it. Just as, just as such, racism is still exists. It's in this country, no matter what. And they, 
And it's kind of, it is, it's been shown to you. They try to play it off. Uh, <laughs> like, for instance, I want to bring up the Dove commercial. I would like to bring that yeah. up because yeah. they're trying to show you diversity. But how are you showing me diversity when you have one of us, an African-American woman with coarse hair, taking off a shirt and she transpires into a white woman? So please yeah. tell me yeah. going from being black and then you transpired on into showing other race. But I, I do agree. And no, I would not purchase any more Dove products. Yeah. Um, ever, but yeah. consider on who decides to want to engage with that. But you know, we just have yeah. to start getting uh-huh. back. We, we as to me as a society, we don't stick together, do we? I'm sorry to say that, but we yeah, don't. we don't. We don't it's unfortunate. Yeah, yeah we don't. We don't, because we're too busy worrying about what the next person has, or we might be a little hateful that this person has more than yes, you. Yes, yes. Together, every other race can You're come so over right. here and do it. We got Mexicans who live in one household together, but we as black people, I don't know why we're so closed-minded. Is it because that we have been so trapped into this this dimension that we have been brutalized for so many decades that we that we want to be stuck like that? Why don't we want to progress? Why don't we want to progress? I, you, I don't you're so right. That. I see it all the time. Yep, you're so right. I see, I see it all the time, and. It, it's that competition thing, and like you said, instead of trying to lift your brother up or lift your sister up, you know, you're trying to pull them back down like crabs in a burrow, you know, and, you know, trying to claw your way to the top. And uh, you're right. We, we, we still have, you know, unfortunately, some of us still have that slave mentality that we just cannot shed. We need to get rid of we that do. slave mentality. We do. We have that. Yeah. Yeah, it's yes, very it unfortunate, I, but it still goes on. I, I see it all the time. Uh, yeah, we still we still are. We still in slavery. We work in these jobs, yes. and they working yes. us down to yes. the bone. So yeah, that's still slavery. And 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 slaves. Oh yeah, they work. And slaves. To, um, as I've been learning, because I have a great mentor named a great mentor, and I love following his name is Hazik Ali. He teaches us. Uh-huh. Slaves got paid. They worked. Yes, they yeah. did. They got paid. Uh-huh. Don't think they worked for free. They actually got uh-huh. paid. They worked for food. They worked for shelter. None of that stuff was for free. Right, right. And you're right. You're absolutely right. Yep. I agree. And we right. I mean, we still got we still got black people who are not being recognized. We got first black women yeah. out here who've just been elected. I mean, the history is there. We have to go and search for it because they're not teaching us history in school. You're not You're learning right. about how to capitalize your investments in a bank. So, yes, I mean, yes. That's right. Yes. Yes. And thank God and the I, story about uh, uh, the uh, – the, the, uh, what's the story about the women that uh, – the astronaut women uh, – Hidden figures, oh, hidden figures, I, yes. Now, I'm glad that story yes. got told. Thank God. I'm, I'm so glad that them women finally got their just due. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Uh, yes, I was so happy that been. those... Oh, exactly. Those are the stories yes, that we're not those lying. women. Uh-huh. So I was happy about that. Me too, and I'm, and I'm glad that they're... Somebody's paying attention to us to let that story actually yes. get out. Yes. I'm sure that, I'm sure that's something that they won't actually get out, but it actually did. 
Yeah. Um, so, do it. Where are we going with this story? Will there be any more takes? Are you going any farther with another addition to this book? Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, because I've, I've had a few people ask me that. Uh, I definitely want to work on a sequel to that story because, you know, I definitely want to kind of branch off and talk about my life in this foster home and, uh, what it was like in foster care with me, my brother, my sister, as well as other people that, that, that came through that home and everything, and that's quite a story within itself too. So yeah, I definitely want to uh, still try to put this book out there as much, as much as possible. And then you know, at the at the present time, I'm uh, pretty much trying to put this material together so I can maybe do a sequel to it. Oh yeah, now that would definitely be good because um, I think you have your own style. Your style is is it's very Oh, how can I put it? Because we always said it's raw. I mean, you you are letting us see every detail of what's going on here. You are. <laughs> I mean, well, I, I I think I think I'm very good at painting painting the picture with words. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we we bringing it we bringing it all the way back from 400 years of institutional racism. We are. Yes. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Right, and I, you know, and I was just thinking about that. Okay, well, we had Jim Crow. That was way before uh, the 1960s. But we got the mass incarceration during the 1970s. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We got the war on yes, uh, the red lining. All, all this is going on, all this institutional racism that we got going on here. Yes, yes. Yes, it, it's... Uh... And 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 the crazy thing is, these things don't happen by accident. They're by design. They are by design. Yes, so especially with this mass incarceration. You know what I mean? That is, there are so many of us that are that are in jail. You know, and for nonviolent mm-hmm. crimes and stuff. And so, you you wonder with the number with the with the numbers being so high, you just you just know for a fact that these things happen by design. So, oh yeah, we live as Hazik would say, we live by design, not by default. Right, exactly, exactly. Yep. Only in America. Yes. Only in America. Yes. The land of all. As that's actually Don King used to say, only in America. <laughs> yeah, that was one of his favorite slogans. Don King's favorite slogan was only in America. Exactly. I mean, I, and just reading more and more into your father. Yeah, your father, he did not care. I mean, he went. And oh, like no, he, he was. He's, I'm trying to figure out how he got. A, how did he get away with all this crime? He went to five different places. Arizona, Ryan Bogus checks, Missouri. I mean, God dang. From yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You. And you. And, 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 and that's why that's why I included his criminal rap sheets in a right. in the book to make the story more tangible. You know, where people could see, you know, the things that he was doing that that will that will help corroborate the story. Right, and they weren't able to and they weren't able to hold him down. What they do? Let him do a free no, month. No, exactly, exactly. And he go to another. That's right. They couldn't hold him down. He just he. <laughs> I believe my 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 my, uh, my theory or my belief is that. 
while he was in jail and he was behind bars, he was mapping out everything he was going to do when he got out of jail. Right. So he had everything mapped out as soon as he walked out. And then if he got got caught again and ended up doing more jail time, he, he would map out more things and what he was going to do when he got out of jail once again. So he always right. had he everything was, mapped out. Right. He was a big-time hoodlum. Uh, oh, yeah. Ever... Yes, he was. He was a hoodlum. He was, he was definitely a gangster hoodlum, like right. I said. I was gonna uh, Did he ever participate he ran with, with any some of the, the Italian mob? He he didn't participate with any of the Oh yeah, yeah, oh definitely, definitely, def, def, okay. yeah, the Italian mob. He uh, he he ran with some very dangerous criminals. He had alliances with some some very dangerous criminals. For example, there was a gangster, and as a matter of fact, he's mentioned in my book. He was probably considered one of the most dangerous, feared gangsters in Kansas City. Uh, uh, Willie the William Willie the Rat Comisano. He was like one of the chief vice lords, and uh, this man was into. Everything and and if you operated serious vice on the streets of Kansas City, drugs, prostitution, gambling, uh, hijacking, extort, you name it, he wanted a piece of your action, and you gave him some of the a piece of your action because he was like I said, he was a very violent, fear gangster. He was one of he was like an Italian mafioso, and my father knew him very well. Matter of fact, they had dealings with each other, and. Uh, so he ran with some of the big boys. I can tell you, the big boys are crying. He definitely knew some of the, the top vice lords around Kansas City. So they and, and they had a, a, a great relationship with each other because they 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 had a, a life of crime in common together. That was their common ground, well, being able to do crime together. Now, yeah. You, so a lot um, as you read farther on into your book, there's a lot about this gentleman named Gordon. Who is Gordon out throughout this book? That's my father, Gordon Reynolds. Gordon okay. is my father. Oh, that was his name. Okay, so Gordon was the father. Okay. Yeah, Gordon. Yeah, yeah Gordon Reynolds. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah, Gordon was Gordon was not playing, honey. He wasn't playing. He was no, bigger than the Oh no, he uh. Yeah, it's almost like he lived several lifetimes. He lived more than one lifetime. Seemed like it. He was living several lives at one time. Yeah. Right. So. Oh, and there was so. How many total siblings do you have? Okay, I have a, uh, I have an older brother and older sister. We have the same oh. mother, but different fathers. And then I have okay. a younger brother. We have we have the same mother and father. Yeah. So altogether, I have three three siblings. Okay. Did um, and where's their where's their father? Is their father still living too, or he passed on? They never met their father. After okay. their father and my mother broke up, he disappeared in the thin air. I mean, they couldn't find him nowhere. So my older brother and older sister never met their father. Okay. I don't. I couldn't tell you what kind of man he was or who he was. Or only she knew, but she never talked about him though. But actually, my father and my mother actually went on to get. I mean, long after we, I've been we had been put in foster care and all that. They went on to get married. They actually got married and lived together. Wow. And, and my little brother, they had they had my younger brother. They kept him. He didn't go into foster care. They kept him. So, it's I tell you, it's it's a I tell you, it's, it's, it's a crazy. It's, it's, a, it's quite a story. It's, it is. It's, a, it's so it's much a, information. I mean, it's so it, much it, going it on. <laughs> it is a sick, twisted story. Yeah, I can imagine two craziness actually married together. Yeah, might as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's something. I tell you, it is something. Wow. Man, your story really has enlightened me 
it's it's crazy, a twisted big story, but it's it transit out beautifully like and and just the pleasure of knowing who they were. Like I said in the beginning, uh-huh. I'm so glad that you were able to get that talk with them. I wish you could have probably got more, but at least you did get a chance to meet them. Oh yeah, that was that was because see, I've actually talked to people who probably ended up in foster care or ended up being living with a relative. They they they've told me they never even seen their mother and father, never knew them, never even wow. seen what they look like. Yeah, wow. I so I was fortunate in that in that respect to be able to see who they were. And then, like I said, I got to know my mother very well before she died. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I got to know her and. And like I said, we would sit down and talk, and I wasn't harboring any bad feelings. Or I mean, I know they they abandoned us and ran off and left us, but but I, I kind of like put that aside. But I wanted to know about her. I wanted to know about my father because I only met him a month before he died because he was he was really dying when I met him. He was he was real sick, and uh, so I didn't really get to talk to him for long. But but my mother over the years, long before she passed away, we we would sit down and talk. And those memories and that information that she gave me, like I said, I was able to incorporate into the book along with my other material that would actually bring all that together so I could complete an entire nonfiction story like that. Right. And so these two actually went around. So not their petty crime actually led to murder too, right? Well, you know what, from what I understand, he may have been involved in a couple of murders. He never did time for that, but it is highly speculated that he may be involved he may have been involved in a couple of murders. Right. But he was a very violent man. He he carried around a Colt forty five pistol. He kept a gun on him all the time. And uh he was like I say, he was an extremely violent man. Very violent. Okay, yeah, because I did see a lot of yeah. that going to read that. Oh, yeah, the book the explains story. about his violent nature. Oh, yeah, he was very violent. I'm glad that you did grow up in a foster care because I can't even imagine if you did. Imagine if you hung around them growing up in that lifestyle, you probably would have been right where they are, too. To exactly, I'll probably be dead somewhere. Right. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, you're right about that. I thought about that, too. <laughs> That's a very good point. Yeah, I probably wouldn't even be alive today. Right, been up in jail, prison. Yeah. There's only two lifestyles, dead or in prison, one the other. Yeah. So I'm glad that you was not raised around that type of house. She knew she was yeah. doing. I'm, or strung out on say, drugs or either in the middle. Huh? Exactly. Did Did your mother ever confide in you how she felt just giving that part of her up? She I, she didn't feel good about it. I mean, she. I think it really, she told, would explain, it really... It bothered her conscience, and uh, she knew that having children and trying to be this criminal at the same time wasn't going to work. You couldn't do both. And because of the fact that she chose the criminal life over being a parent, right. she, she she had a lot of regrets. She had a whole lot of regrets behind that, choosing Either are you going to raise your children, you're going to leave this criminal lifestyle, settle down and raise your children, or are you going to continue to pursue the criminal life? But they chose to continue to pursue the criminal life. So that's when they decided we just got to give these children up and we got to continue to do it. And they eventually, you know, eventually after they abandoned us, you know, the vice would eventually kick in on them and find all that stuff that they were doing and they ended up doing time for that. I think 
couple of years, maybe three years for that, but they ended up doing time. Right, and your father had a lot going on. We we talking about the Irish background, where he he yeah. still non Italian, but he got accepted by a lot of Italian gangs, and he also had a nickname Hard Knuckles, so he was an amateur boxer too. Yeah, Mac. Uh huh. His nickname was Mac because his middle name was McCoy, but they called him Mac out on the street. His nickname was Mac. And uh, yeah, he like I said, he forged relationships with with them top Italian gangsters because they knew he was a criminal. They knew he was a hardened criminal. They knew right, he fit, was... he fit the bill for them for him to if they okay good. Like I said, for example, if see Italians were into robbery and fencing stolen goods and hijacking. Okay, for example, mm-hmm. like I mentioned in the book, let's say if a truck was coming through Kansas City with a whole lot of beer or whiskey on it and they was going to distribute all these these liquor to these these grocery stores and these stores okay the italians would get the wind of it they would be tipped off that okay yeah that's a truck big old giant truck coming to Kansas City with all this beer and whiskey let's, let's hijack that truck and they they were into hijacking and my father may have been in on a couple of them hijackings where they would steal all that you know beer and whiskey and and they would stash it in their liquor stores or stash it in their houses. Or, and then my father was given a lot of them goods to put inside his body house. So, like I said, it's, it's, it's just amazing to know all this information and it know is. that he was a gangster and he consorted with some of the top-known hoodlum Italian gangster hoodlums in Kansas City. It's quite a story. It, it is such a, it man, really just a and fascinating, intriguing story. And I can see why it took you so long because everything is detailed. The part where he put the pistol up in the driver's face and hit him in the head with his pistol. Um, yeah, yeah, pistol whooping. Yeah, he was he was good at that. Yeah, yeah, he, uh, he was good at pistol whooping people. <laughs> you know, when I read that part, I thought about what's that movie, Goodfellas. Yeah, 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 yes, uh, uh-huh. oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your book got a lot of correlation to a lot of things that I have seen on TV, but this this tops the cake right here. This really does. This oh, tops yeah. the cake. But you know what? I'm reading yes, the, the more you read into the book, I mean, we learn about your mom, but we're actually, it looks like it's more focused on your father because he was a big time page. I mean, y'all, your mom, she was in there too, but your father really takes the whole cake out through the book. Oh yeah, he's he's pretty much the central. He's pretty much what you call yeah, the is. central character in the story. Oh yeah, he his character dominates the story, no doubt. Yeah. And uh, he got more nick- because he got his... more nicknames than I have socks. He got oh, more yeah, nicknames than yeah. I have socks. I'm serious. Like yeah, knuck. We got knuckle. Everything hard knuckles. Um, they talk. There was another nickname for the nose. I'm like, this man got more nicknames. Oh than yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Those were those. Now those were the actual uh, Italian gangsters that he consorted with. Because every known mobster has a nickname. Every Italian right. guy, maybe even some of them Irish guys too. They all have nicknames. Every last one of them got a nickname. Yeah. And I love that Godfather of the Black Mafia. Oh yeah, you're talking about uh, Doc Dearborn. Yeah, he 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 really he really was the godfather. He really was the godfather of the black mafia in Kansas City. He okay. pretty much ran most of the prostitution. He was a he was a strong arm robber. He was a bank robber. He was a pimp. 
And he he was a legend in this city. Oh yeah, he truly was. He ran. He had a heroin uh, ring going. So Doc Dearborn, his name was uh, uh, James Dearborn, but they called him Doc Dearborn, and he truly was the godfather of, of the black mafia in Kansas City. Okay, because I wanted to make sure that we wasn't still focused on Gordon. So this was a different, and this was a black man. Yeah, this was a black man. Uh huh. And he clashed with my father. Him and my father clashed. Mm. Oh yeah. yeah. Before you get into uh-huh. it, yeah. This is one story, yeah. These were some bad mama jammas. These, <laughs> these, yeah, yeah. These were black people who were not afraid. I mean, look, look at it. This they even called him. Said he was a tough son of a gun. I mean, this was a a black man who didn't care. He was like your mom. What? Yeah. I mean, what was, oh yeah. Honey, that's what I'm saying. Yo, this story got to be. Publicized. We need to talk about this. So oh, we, it, it really does, we, and I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing everything in my power. Cause, you know, it's a self-published book, but right. I'm gonna do everything in my I'm power gonna, to continue exactly. to try to push the story because I know it has a lot of potential. It's, it's such a it very powerful go story. I think that really know, would gain a lot of interest. We know it's growing up. We know Malcolm S wasn't scared. We know there was a lot of people who, uh, a few black people who, did, who wasn't scared, but they still was respectful. Yeah. These black people in your store, they was about that life. Uh-huh. They didn't give a damn. Oh, yeah. It was like, what you want to do type lifestyle. I do not yeah. care. Yeah, we got to tell this story. Honey, y'all got to get this book. Uh, do it. <laughs> You're so sweet. It's a, it's a, I, I, you know what, what I need, I'm going to tell you what I need behind me. I need what you call that marketing machine behind me. I mean, yeah. I mean I'm mean, i doing everything on my part, but if I, could, if I can get that marketing machine behind me, I, this book will fly. I can see this book flying. And look at the price. And, uh, and Kroger, how long Kroger been? Kroger, yeah. uh, when Kroger was created? Uh, I don't know what year Kroger, the, the, the grocery store franchise started, but they're no longer in Kansas City, but during that time period, we did have Kroger and Milgram and A and P, and we had uh, 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 what's that other store? Uh, there was so many groceries, but yeah, we definitely had Kroger here in Kansas City during that time period. So, and I mean, look at the prices—thirty nine cents a pound. You can't even go and get no ground beef for that now, child. You'd be lucky to exactly. even get it. Exactly. Yeah, the book, the book is like. A, yeah, the book is like a time capsule. It takes you back in time, and it shows you, like you said, what what the prices were on, on grocery items during that time period and all that. So it's definitely a time capsule. It is. What, potato chips, 55 cents? Huh? No, no, no you're, not, you're, not, you're not getting that. That's why I say this book is very detail-oriented. It is. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. But since it, we since we are running so much short on time, Dewey, I know you can get the book from Amazon. Is it also in stores? Like if I go to Barnes and Nobles, can I pick it up there too? If no, I wanted a hard no, it's copy. not in stores. Yeah, okay. but you can go to Amazon.com, and you also could go to my website and find out more information about me and the book. You can go to www.deweyreynoldsbooks.com. Uh, That's www. DeweyReynoldsBooks.com, and uh, you can make a purchase from there, or you can go to Amazon. But it's out there, so I would encourage 
people to go out and get it because it's a very good story that takes you on a journey and there's so many things you can learn from it and I mean you'll just be excited just to read it. It's a very exciting read. It is. And it's gonna really take your breath away. We couldn't get too much in detail oh, yeah. because I want you listeners to actually read it. But I was trying to point out most of the things in this book and I mean it's verbatim. It's nothing where like, oh, let me see if he's been truthful. No, um, do it hit every bit of it. Each chapter just makes you want to keep going. Like, I cannot put this down, honey. I'm glad I got a glad I got a smartphone because I'm gonna be reading probably some of this album today on Kindle. Mm-hmm. I love a good book. Oh yeah. <laughs> yes. So please, well, it's a very very good story. Now, before we actually leave, you know, I always uh, give I always give my motivational quote from my friend Mary Ellen. But today I don't have uh, the only motivational quote I have for you today, listeners, is remember that either your mind expands, either your well, how I'm trying to say it, you know, you got to focus on your goals. And your your mind and your goals should be on the same page. So whatever that's not whatever that you're not accomplishing, take a step back and reevaluate yourself today. But without further, without anything else left said, I thank you so much for tuning in. If you're listening to the replay, make sure you share it with your friends and your family, most definitely. But it's been a pleasure to be here with you. Do it as well. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I I thank you very much, and uh, I I really enjoyed the the uh, interview, and uh, I felt as though I was talking to an old friend, and uh, I tell you, it's been really good for me, and I just enjoyed it. I really had this is because I just I just enjoy talking about it. I love people relaying questions to me, and me and being able to relay qu- the answers right back to them and everything. So I really am honored. You know, it's really been an honor to be on here with you and talk about you know my parents experience during that time period as a interracial couple and also as criminals. So it's been, it's been a great, great ad- adventure for me today. And I really appreciate you having me on. It's truly been an honor. You, you are so welcome. And the replay is on definitely on Instagram. And like I said, it's always archived at brightside with TK.com. So, and if your friends, my friends, whoever wants to listen, so this show will not definitely disappear and make sure you definitely make, go to that site where DeweyReynoldsBooks.com, you can pick up that book. You can get on Amazon. You can have it on your Kindle. It is an enjoyable, truthful book. There is no there is no sugarcoating on this one, darling. But I will see you the next time. I thank you for listening so much, and God bless. God bless you, too, sweetheart. Thanks for listening to The Bright Side with Technicia. If you like what you heard, tell your dad, mother, cousin, uncle, whomever. Be sure to check out the archive section at www.brightsidewithtk.com.